Cold Storage is a podcast where each episode we pick a different story from the long history of comics and dissect and review it for your listening euphoria. Join us as we stumble our way through some of the most important storylines mixed with some of our favorites. Enjoy. Welcome back to Cold Storage. I'm Spencer. And I'm Callie. Still. Still, yep. yep. Still still feeling your earbuds. Still. You're filling your earlobes. Your ear <laughs> eardrums. <laughs> I, I wish you'd fill my earlobes. It feels good, dude. <laughs> it feels good with the feels. Yep. So uh yep, we're back at it again, man. Yep. Going strong. Issue something. This is issue eleven, I think. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Dude. Issue 11. If I'm wrong, then just consider it a special edition issue, and then we'll do issue 11 next that week. Let's do let's do a search real quick. Okay. So I believe this is actually issue 11. That's, yeah, that's what I said. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, yeah, dude. Well, uh, yep, we're back again. And uh, what have you decided that we're going to review today? Um, well, actually, this was your choice. Avengers JLA by Kurt Busiek and George Perez. I just I just wanted to review an Avengers or JLA book, dude. I <laughs> I didn't mean the crossover. All right, well, oh, here we sorry. go. <laughs> so, uh yeah, so I guess um we're reviewing JLA Avengers this time. What do you think? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Show over. The 2003-2004 year placement. Now, one thing I did want to bring up about this, and I've been dying to talk to you about, but I wanted to save it. So, wait. uh, What did you say at first? You were saying the 2000... 2003-2004. Yeah. JLA Avengers. Yep. Kurt Busiek. Kurt Busiek. George Perez. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Sorry, I, didn't I just want to make that. sure that we that I read the same book as you. I think we read the same book. Okay. <laughs> Kirby, yes, Kirby Sick, George Perez. Um, I don't particularly care for the colors in this. No. No. What's wrong with the colors, man? Well, I think it it feels like this is when digital coloring came into existence. And that's for sure not true. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but keep going. <laughs> I just feel like the colors. You're saying it looks like uh, it, like they're just getting the hang of it, correct? Yeah, or just not even gotten the hang of it yet. Yeah, and I just don't feel like the uh, like I normally really like George Perez, like New Teen Titans, the you know Crisis on Infinite Earths, um, and like those things are so beautiful to look at. Yeah. And maybe it's the print that I'm so used to seeing them on the paper. Yeah, but on this, it just felt too like too late '90s to mm. me. So so I, yeah, I don't know so much the paper because actually the New Teen Titans was actually printed on good paper originally too. Okay. Like, yeah, in fact, I, like they were on some of the best paper. Like they were on like shiny paper back when, when people were doing newsprint books. It was mm-hmm. weird. I don't. 
it's kind of weird. Like you think that all of like one publisher, a publisher would just use all the same printer and all the same paper for all right. the books, right? But right. now I remember the new Teen Titans ones um, were on this like nicer paper, and the and the book just felt like like higher quality. Uh-huh. Hell that yeah, it was weird, dude. So huh. yeah, I, I think a lot of times um, it can be the the paper that it's on, um, but this I think you're right. It is the coloring, and I do see what you're saying, um, dude. Now they've mastered computer coloring dude like oh yeah today's comic books like dude they're beautifully colored man right like, they, yeah it's totally artwork in itself yeah and so uh but yeah no computer coloring came about way before dude like uh yeah like the image guys were all computer coloring doing color- stuff. okay yeah all right um yeah they they were the one but they didn't even start it like there was but even before image um there was uh some some marvel and dc books were doing it too like so. dark uh, dark knight comes back uh so no um, <laughs> okay so so the dark knight so the dark knight returns was watercolor but then the one you're referring yeah, to yeah that's the second one was know. way later that was in the oh, 2000s okay. that right. one came out right. so uh but no we're doing good dude good you, good you know, right. <laughs> two two foul balls so far all so, right um sports <laughs> yeah sweating uh, balls and catching did you say sweaty balls <laughs> sweaty balls um yeah so uh the, yeah i do see what you're saying but but i do think um i have this theory that any old artist doesn't look good with new coloring, dude. Like, yeah. I, Neil Adams' artwork, I don't like um, with modern day coloring, which is funny because he went back and like recolored a bunch of his stuff. So, like, a lot of the re released DC stuff, like yeah. his studio, which I, was it Continuity? Uh, he created a studio back in the 90s. I wish I could, I think. And anyway. they, they recolored all his stuff? So, not all of it, but, okay. like, he tried to get DC to let him do a bunch of it, and I think that he was able to, but, yeah, um, and it just doesn't... You need old-school coloring for old-school guy, man. That's what it feels like. You know, when I when I was looking through this, there are definitely some panels, I'm like, oh, this is definitely George Perez, and some I'm like, this doesn't feel like George Perez at all. Like, yeah. And I think it came down to the coloring, maybe the inker, I don't know, but... Um, it just it, like definitely like I said like some of them were for sure like George Perez some sure. some was just like it, and so it kind of threw me off a little bit because I was concentrating on like is this does this look like George Perez or not you know like <laughs> on some of the pages and so yeah. I got kind of I, I mean off. it was definitely it was definitely Perez to me but uh, yeah the coloring did throw it off a little bit and and uh, yeah I mean as as people you know, age, their style changes and stuff. So it wasn't Crisis on Infinite Earths, Perez, but in some ways it was. Um, Definitely, yeah. Like, especially with the big group uh, pictures and right. stuff. Um, yeah, there were some really cool battle scenes. Which, because, dude, because of this, there's no way, dude, that anybody else could have done this book, dude, just because of the magnitude of, uh, like, the amount of characters you have right. to draw. Right, yeah. Nobody else could have done this, dude, at right. that time. And... uh so so the way that this book is, works and um there's some history behind this book is uh so DC Marvel they started doing some crossovers um what was the first crossover they ever did DC versus Marvel I don't know nope. or was it the uh Amalgam Universe Nope that was later oh. so the first crossover they ever did was Super um Man's actually a Wizard of Oz book. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. For some reason, for whatever reason, it was co-produced by Marvel and DC, but it was Wizard of Oz. There was huh. no superheroes. Uh, but the, the first superhero team up was Superman, Spider-Man. Um, and then uh, they had some um, 
they had some luck with that, and so they did a couple more. So they, I think they did like three or four in the early 80s. Okay. Okay. So um, because of that, they're just like, okay, dude, we need to gear up a JLA Avengers one. Like, this would be the greatest crossover of all time, right? Right. When it would be. Yeah, and it would. You're right. And so they they did it. They had a story um, going, and uh, it George Perez was actually going to draw it. And uh, who was this one going to be written by, actually? Um, give me this real quick. Danny. Um, Danny. What's da- what's Dan's name? Who are you talking about? Danny. Uh, Danny O'Neill. Danny O'Neill. I thought you said Danny. I did. Oh. I was trying to think of like his name. I was like <laughs> Daniel O'Neill. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's see here. Uh, okay. So um, they signed a contract in 1982 to do this JLA Avengers, the original one. Uh, the editors. It was going to be co-edited by Len Wein and Jim Shooter. Uh, Let's see here. Um, this is not good. Radio Kelly. Tell oh, yeah, a so, joke while we're looking this up. Um, no, don't. What's the difference? No, dude, none of your jokes are good, dude. <laughs> none of your jokes will work. Um, it was slated. Jerry Conway. That's who it was. It Jerry just Con- came to me. Nice, yeah. yes. Uh, so Jerry Conway uh, was going to write it with with George Perez drawing it, right? Well, um, so uh, basically they came up with a plot and uh, then they sent it over to Marvel and Jim Shooter just kept shooting it down. So Jim Shooter, Jim Shooter was the editor-in-chief, okay? The editor on the book um, was supposed to actually be Mark Greenwald, uh, the the Marvel side. But Jim Shooter basically just kept coming in, saying, making changes. So basically, Jim Shooter effectively became the 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 actual editor of this. The final say. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so at least DC's story is that Marvel or is that they kept sending over a plot to Jim Shooter. Jim Shooter would shoot it down. Huh. <laughs> See what I did? Yeah. There? Yeah. Uh, he's just like it wasn't good enough. There's too many plot holes, but he wouldn't give them any. Firm, feedback or what? Firm, yeah, like things of what they wanted him to change. Uh-huh. So, so they would come up. I, he would give them vague ideas, basically. So then they would uh, come back and change it again, and he would just still like say, "Nope, it's not going to work." So, at this point, they're getting pissed, and especially George Perez is getting pissed, dude, because George Perez has actually started drawing it based off of that original plot line, right? So he's he's drawn like twenty something pages of this, and uh, he's getting. Um, yeah, obviously upset because the Jim Shooter won't let it happen, and he's already invested a lot of time into this thing. Right. Uh, so, yeah, eventually George just was like, "Okay, well, I'm done. I'm off and the project. I'm gonna quit." Yeah. yeah. And so, and he gave like a lot of like high profile uh, interviews where he was just like talking shit on Jim Shooter uh, for this. Now, Jim Shooter, in his defense, he was saying that he just wanted a good story. So, so. DC claims that the, that he was stalling on purpose, like giving his actual feedback, right? Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And and so he um, he was saying he wasn't stalling on purpose, and that he, you know, there was convention season going on and stuff. So yeah. Anyway, th- there's two sides to every story, but basically, it didn't end up happening, right? Uh, right. And George Perez had these um, pages. Well, um, George Perez ended up. Dude, you'll never guess who bought these pages, dude. So he had like 24 pages, and he sold them all to one person. Todd McFarlane. Close. 
Rob Liefeld bought it. Really? Them. Yeah. Okay. So Rob All Liefeld right. owned like the original 24 pages. And then Rob Liefeld ended up selling them off um, to other collectors. And they've, uh, since in the, in the actual collected edition of this, they have those pages uh-huh. in the back, uh, but they weren't able to get them all because um, they weren't able to track down every page. But uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. But the fin- but the pages, the sketches, the original one, it's just interesting because it's basically doesn't really look a lot like what ended up happening. And, and it makes sense because it was written by somebody completely different, the finished one, right? So right, yeah, it became a little Kerbusek. I mean, yeah. it, like, and how many? Well, like decades later, right? Yeah, like two. Right. Two decades later. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. So then um, after this, um, relationship soured between them, um, between Marvel and DC because of their editors, you know, didn't like each other and they were always talking shit on each other. So uh, cut to the 90s, they start doing team ups again. So they had like a Batman Punisher one um, and a Batman Spider-Man one and a a couple of others. Uh, There was Batman Wolverine. <laughs> I maybe I don't know. Yeah. I'm just throwing that out <laughs> but, there. That's like two biggest characters, but might as well put them together. Yeah. So uh so in the 90s they were gearing up to do it again but it still didn't happen. Uh so and then um again editorial like made it so they they went through another 10 years or so mm-hmm. within it without any crossovers. And then like it's just crazy that this got made, dude. Like it's crazy that this got made after the fact that it had gotten so far in the eighties and then shelved that they were still able to. Because you think the most people would just be like, it was so much of a hassle. Oh yeah. Like this isn't gonna happen. So much work to just even try and reproduce it. Right. You know, and then like think about like having to re like if you're George Perez, dude, like having to redraw a bunch of stuff that someone else totally created for you. Yeah. You know, like. I, and I'm wondering how close the uh, the images that he redrew later for this that we read compared to the original 24. If there's any like comparison to how close they are. Like, what do you mean? Well, like, I mean, you got to think like he obviously had ideas back in the 80s when he was doing it originally. So, do you think he used some of that same? Those ideas for this this current one that Kurt. I mean, he may in. have, but he didn't write it either. You know what I mean? So true. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I do think that he did some writing of this book. Not not actually on the page, like not writing the words down. But uh-huh. I guarantee you, Kurt Busick didn't say which characters to put in which panels. Like I like the ones who were talking. I guarantee he said, "Okay, make sure that these people are in this panel." Uh, but I guarantee, like the panels where there's just like tons of cameos, like, and yeah, stuff. where there's just like a room full of superheroes, yeah. like that was obviously just up to uh, George Perez, uh, right? So in that sense, I guess he did kind of write some of it, and he may have uh, transitioned. I mean, I looked at the original sketches, and they, I mean, the story is completely different. I mean, there's some stuff that's the same, like there's a like Batman and Captain America kind of face off against each other, just like happened in the final one, mm-hmm. um, but. uh that was actually um, that was actually one of my favorite parts of this book was the Batman Captain America relationship, um, just because like so when whenever they do these crossovers they had a battle right so there's like they're all this big fight but uh, during the fight Batman and Captain America basically just say dude why are we why are we doing this this is stupid why don't we just try to figure out what's really going on and then batman and captain america just kind of go off yeah, and do their own thing off. they end up going to the bat cave to do some research and stuff which i i thought was uh was just really cool because they were the ones that were too like 
are smart to like just sit and like beat Fight each other and, out and yeah bitch and complain at each other yeah right that's what and that, that was cool too when later on uh, so the main players i think we should talk about them real quick it's their main players yeah um and then from the main players because they the main players actually mentioned the fact that two Wait, combatants who are the main players there's like 70 million people in this book well i'm talking okay so uh chronos is that his name Chron- okay uh and um the beyond not beyonder the game master guy, grandmaster, grandmaster, yep, and then uh, and then a third main player, Metron, comes in too. Okay, so I see what you're saying. So yeah, they were the ones that were the they kind of orchestrated this whole event. Yeah, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and they even talk later and they say, "Hey, like two of the two of the combatants removed themselves. What are they doing?" Which I what I don't understand is like if you can see all this going on, how come you can't see what Batman and Captain America are up to? Right. So I, I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah. No, I think there, I found a, a couple of um, holes in this. But also, I mean, I there's just so much going on, dude. Oh, it's, like, yeah. I mean, how do they see everything? You know what I mean? So, like, right. I, I can see them getting out or, you know, being able to sneak out, especially since it's so chaotic in the main, like, fight, you know. Um. So the Grandmaster, he was in one of the Marvel movies. Uh, he was in a he was in a Marvel movie. Yeah, one of the new Marvel movies. The Grandmaster was like a character in one of them. What, do you know Do you know which one it was? Yeah, I do. I was just wondering if you do. I think I do. Who? I think it's the dude from Jurassic Park. Uh, <laughs> you're right. Okay, you're right. I just it took me a second because to, to get to where you were going because yeah, it's the it's the Thor a Ragnarok story. Yeah. and he when he goes to Planet Hulk or or not Planet Hulk, but he goes to that fight that battle planet. Mm-hmm. And he basically fights World War Hulk. Jeff Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> for, for, for those of you that don't, yeah. Know well, what I'm and for those of you who know people's names, <laughs> and like Callie. <laughs> but yeah, I actually didn't know that. So I didn't. I wasn't familiar too much familiar with the Grandmaster in comics. And so when I found out that that was him, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's cool, dude. That is cool. Uh, yeah. So this whole thing is basically it's just a game between Grandmaster and Kronos, right? That they have this they have it set up to um, to collect objects, right? Yeah. So they basically <clears throat> they get the the Avengers to go after all the DC artifacts. There's uh, six of them, um, and then they get the DC characters to go after six Marvel artifacts. Yeah, so um, I'm not familiar with all the artifacts. Um, I am familiar with some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you? Yeah, same thing. I, I was, I'm familiar with some, not all. So the bell, the will, and the jar, I'm not sure where so that comes the, from. So the bell, I believe, is from the Alan Moore story about the um, Green Lantern that is blind. And they use sound as their their communication and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and his name is the Green Bell. Okay. Um, and that's the only relation I could think of. Well, so the bell, the wheel, and the jar is considered one object um, in here. The bell, the wheel, and the jar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So well, then I don't know. Yeah, they would have had to all have something to do with each other. Okay. Um, but I didn't know that. Um, the Medusa mask. So that's the one thing, too, uh, is I'm not sure. Like, to me, it looks like Psycho Pirate's mask. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. I was like, this is Psycho Pirate's mask. But, yeah, is Psycho Pirate wear the Medusa mask? That I don't know. But um, the Spear of Destiny, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what that is either. That is uh, the spear that um, oh, what's this? Vandal Savage carries around. Oh, is it okay? I'm, I'm almost positive. Yeah, it's that a makes DC sense. Yeah. relic, right? Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, that would be Vandal Savage's spear from when okay. he was uh, a caveman or whatever. All right, that makes sense. Um, and then there's this box, like this case that's on the DC side. I'm not sure what that is either. The box on the DC side? Yeah. Yeah, what's this uh, box right there? Oh, uh, uh, I don't know what box that is. Anyway. Yeah, I'm um, not sure. And then uh, on the Marvel side, or, well, actually, that may have been a Marvel one, actually. Um, but anyway, they've got the Cosmic Cube. They have the Green Lantern's power battery. They have the Orb of Ra, the Eternity Book. And a couple others, but there's 12 items overall. And it's like um, they have a bet between um, the Grandmaster and Kronos, and whichever side, Marvel side wins or DC gets the most of them. Mm-hmm. And they keep score throughout the book. Yeah. Right? right. So, and whichever one ends up with the most wins. And if Kronos wins, he gets to destroy universe or something right or, right yeah. well yeah so Kronos could take the uh, eat the universe and absorb it for himself yeah and if and if he loses then uh grandmaster gets to cast them out basically yeah. so i actually sorry i just looked up the uh the wheel the bell and the mm-hmm. and it comes from uh three powerful demon brothers abenezer uh, sorry abnegazer wrath and ghast who ruled the whole galaxy over a billion years ago. Um, they were, looks like they were banished out of the galaxy by the Timeless Ones. I don't really know that much about the Timeless what com- Ones. Does, what comic does this come from? It comes from, uh, it's a DC book, obviously, because it's from the Who's Who entry. Um, the Red Jar of Kelethos. I don't know what book it is, man. I, hmm. I, couldn't tell you interesting all yeah. right well let's move on okay sorry uh, <laughs> no so uh yeah so basically um it's just a race to get all these and um i didn't love i actually didn't love the first book uh in this just i mean it's a lot of setup but it's just like um it just felt like there was it, it felt forced to me because it's like i mean i understand you got to get these people together somehow and you got to have something that they're working towards right but it just felt so trite to have it just be like, like just like a game, you know, like, uh, uh, and the, all the superheroes are just going to... Like, play into it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I get it, man. Yeah. And, Go ahead. Oh, no. So I was just like, yeah, I was just going to say that that part felt kind of weird to me. And I and I understand with crossovers, you, like, you have to battle. And at the time, people are probably wanting it because you always want to know, you know, what would happen if this person fought this person? I'll tell you what happens is that it's always a tie, regardless of anything, because Everyone Marvel wants. doesn't want to uh, make their have their characters look like weaker, and DC doesn't want to have theirs look weaker. Right. And so, to me, just reading all that stuff was just like, okay, come on, let's just get past this stuff because, like, I know that something's going to happen, but right now it's just like, and they're all superheroes, right? So why is a superhero's first thing? I'm just going to beat the crap out of this other superpowered person I don't know before even trying to talk to him. <laughs> I agree. Like they always yeah, do Yeah, they that. don't even talk it out. They just like straight up go to punch each other. Yeah. And they're, that's the thing is they're heroes, dude. They're supposed to be the ones who are like like sane, no, yeah. not like supervillains. Like if two supervillain groups showed up, I could see them fighting each other. Right, instantly. Yeah. yeah. These guys, yeah. 
Why would you do that? Like Captain America's wearing the American flag on him. Why are you going to go attack that guy before asking? If you fight for true justice the American way. Yeah. You well, know well, they don't even know that. Yeah, it's just like, why not just ask him yeah, what, what his intentions here? are? Yeah. <laughs> but they just fight, dude. Like, And so that part, like, I don't know. Like, I understand why they do it, but I was just like really looking forward to getting past that part and right. getting to something like more substantial. I agree. I, I think... Um, I didn't, to be honest with you, like when I was reading this, the first two issues felt like a different story than the last two issues. Even though it was an overall arc, mm-hmm. the last two felt different than the first two. Yeah, well, I, I think, think that it, was on purpose, actually. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, because the, like, starting with the third issue, that's when, like, the universe starts going crazy. Like, yeah. that's when, like, the two worlds start blending together. And it literally is like, it's just craziness. Like, for, like, two issues, it's like, everything's just constantly changing and stuff. So yeah, I do think that that was, that was done on purpose. Like where the first two were more of a traditional team up, the last two ones, uh, became its own thing. Yeah. Well, they keep rehashing their, their relationships with one another. They kept bringing different things up. The one thing I did enjoy though, uh, going through this was the costume changes. Yeah. Because different panels or different pages would have like Captain America had three different costumes on one page, you know? Yeah. Well, that was because, yeah. So that was because, uh, so, and and uh, to your point of the last two seeming different, at the end of the second one, it it seemed like it was over because like the whole bet was done. They right. they'd already collected all the objects by the time the second one was over. With. Correct. And so, uh, what uh, ended up happening is the um, Kronos dude got pissed. Yeah. So um, he got mad and he was going to. Uh, Basically, what happened is the Grandmaster tricked him uh, and uh, pulled a um, trick on him, and he made it so he, so they combined both worlds, and the Kronos got caught in between the two worlds. Yes, uh, like the essence of Kronos, basically, uh, because he, if not, he was going to destroy. He was going to eat the universe or whatever, and and so in order to avoid that, Grandmaster combined both worlds, trapped Kronos uh, in the middle of him. Like he wasn't like, it's kind of weird. Like you, it was. You have to see how it was drawn to have that make sense. Because like a lot, you'd see Kronos up in the sky, or like his face up in the sky, like uh, you know, because there'd be like energy in the sky and things like that. And there's two huge hands between the two Earths. Yeah, I think it's when he starts to split them. But but it, yeah, his essence is basically. Well, yeah, no, in, in yeah. In that the... one panel, he's not splitting them; he's pushing them together. Oh, that's what it's okay. the specter that comes and oh, splits them. Oh, that's right. Them. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so because of that, that's why the costume changes are happening, right? So, like, uh, yeah, I thought that that was cool too because it was just craziness, and uh, not only that's what makes this so insane, and only George Perez could do it is because they not only drew the Avengers and uh, the JLA. They drew everybody who'd ever been a member of the JLA and everybody who'd ever been a member of the Avengers. And not only that, but the different versions of them. Like, so the Earth 1 right. and the Earth 2. Like, uh, and it seems like the DC guys tend to have more versions of themselves than, than the Marvel ones do. Just because like DC's history is longer and also they had all these like multiple worlds and stuff. But... But Marvel definitely did, like you said, Captain America. Like he became like U.S. agent at one right, point. Right. Yeah. Um, well, and Superman's like hair got long in one, and then it like went back to being short again. 
Yeah, well, what's crazy is like, so that's that's like the culmination. That's like the big battle at the end, right? Where, But they're like, they just kept saying, like, they just noticed like people are appearing, like heroes are appearing and disappearing, right? Yeah, right. And they're trying to, at this point, they're working together, right, mm-hmm. to beat Kronos. And uh, uh, what's just cool is like, you'll have just a hero pop in. Like at one point, Green Arrow pops in and he's like, what the heck? And he's like... Don't worry, don't worry about it. Just help us. And yeah. Like, and then they'll pop out, and then somebody else will come in, and like, and then also, like you said, they'll go through the costume changes. So Superman's just the regular Superman. Then all of a sudden, he's got long hair and like all this crazy. And then he becomes is, like the blue electricity. Yeah. yeah. For like a panel. Yeah. Does, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but what's cool about that is like they're just fighting the entire time while all this craziness is happening, right? And they're like, I just thought that was cool because they they just had a goal in mind regardless of what was happening but you know you start to think of the logistics of that happening it's just like some sometimes they're just changing their costume or their hair like superman but a lot of times like with the flash it was a whole new person becoming yeah. the flash so how does that person just know what to what's do. going on right yeah exactly uh so i thought that was interesting but uh yeah, I, I like that too. And it was just a way for George Perez. I swear, George Perez probably just started doing that because he wanted to, and then Kurt Busiek had to make sense of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> because like George, uh, George, George likes to draw lots of characters, and so... Well, yeah. it's fun to, to look at this. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. By the way, I misspoke. His name is Krona. Uh, oh, yeah. Not Krona. Right. So yeah, Kronos right. is a character, but not what we're talking about today. Yep. This is Krona, yeah. who is a DC villain. Yeah. Um, um, so, uh, one thing, another thing I liked about this is, um, one of the guys, um, uh, that created most of the Marvel characters is named Jack Kirby. And he also spent a lot of time at DC, right? Yes. In fact, probably more so than most comic creators. He spent, you know, a lot of time at one and a lot of time at the others and created a lot of stuff for both. So one of my favorite things was seeing like Jack Kirby's creations at DC, mm-hmm. uh, like work with the creations that he did at Marvel. Marvel like right. that was so freaking cool. Yeah. Like, like when you see um, Galactus and Metron like together. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Like, it's like yeah. so freaking awesome Gal- because yeah. they're both Jack creations, and they should they you know nobody ever would have known that they would have ever been able to interface with each other. It's like a cosmic orgasm, dude. <laughs> you know, and the other thing do you bring up too is like they're they're like in the uh in the the <laughs> Okay. It was so good, dude. No, it's just cool because it, like you said, they're cosmic I, beings. Dude, no, I love like, it. I love yeah. everything. That you, I love yeah. every part of what you just said. <laughs> but uh, they're like in a Savage Land or something, and like Kirby's uh, monsters are there too. Yeah, like Fin Fang Foom, um, Gothum. Yeah. Anyway, um, there's a few of them that are coming up over the trees, and so they just they take all this like different history of different characters, and like they just mold them and change them and. It's a really fun read. Yeah. Um I but I I quite enjoyed the I think my favorite part is when Cap or uh Superman catches Thor's hammer while he's coming down on it. So he stops it. Mhm. Um and then he gets Captain America's shield and Thor's hammer both and uses them on on guys. Dude, this book um actually had so much fan service. Like it was just like every cool thing like what we were saying. Like, they did it. You can tell that they did this and they had an awesome time doing it because it's just like, 
you know, they were probably like, what would it be like if we got Superman to carry Thor's hammer and a hold cap shield? Right. Like, and they did it for no other reason. Like it didn't necessarily make that much sense. Cause the thing is, is, is following that logic, uh, vibranium is stronger than Superman's flesh, right? Because like Cap gave him the shield to protect himself because because Cap- Superman was going to go in, and he was going to be the one to take the brunt of the damage, right. right? So Cap was like, "Here, we'll take this." Well, Superman shouldn't need it because his skin is it's impenetrable, already, right. right? So what that means is vibranium or whatever it's is tougher than Superman's yeah, skin. Tough, yeah. So which, but again, like that doesn't necessarily make sense, but. When they were sitting down, they were like, "How cool would it be to have Superman holding Holy Captain America's shield?" Yeah. Well, that door that he couldn't break down because of some like vibrational frequency or something. Right. So he needed Thor's hammer to break it down. Yeah. And so like it was like Superman's might combined with Thor's hammer just like hit it home. Yeah. It, it was yeah. Um. But when uh, Superman caught Thor's hammer, I don't know if you remember this, but like it had like it was the coolest moment, and then it, it they. T- I don't know if it's funny or if it's awesome, but it seems more (laughs) like neither. It seems stupid to me. But, like, he catches it, and then, like, Thor is, like, really surprised. He's like, how can you do this? The mightiest in nine worlds cannot stop my hammer. And then Superman says, sorry to disappoint, but in my world, it looks like the dials go up to 11. (laughs) And then he punches Thor. I basically almost kills Thor in one punch, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and and actually, what I loved after this happened is that... Uh, actually, I, I got the chills reading this, actually. It's because after Superman punched Thor and almost kills him, the Avengers just say, no, dude. There's like... They say, you don't. and then Yeah, say, you don't punch Thor. It's like, you don't do that. Not to yeah, him. Yeah. Not to Thor. And they gang up on him, dude. So... You have like She Hulk, Hercules, Iron Man, like a Vision all come in on Superman at once, dude, to just kick his butt. And <laughs> and I just thought that was so cool that because, you know, somebody took down a god, they were just like, Nope, this this yeah, isn't this is, happening. Right. And so they just they attack Superman, almost kill Superman. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so both Superman and Thor like laid out that reminds me a lot of uh Thor and Beta Rated Bill, remember? Oh yeah. Uh, how yeah. they battled and they both got like uh-huh. almost good killed each other just like level playing field yeah but i just thought that was cool that they just came to the defense of thor like like there's something special about thor and the fact that superman you know like basically embarrassed thor in right. front of everybody because like, he cut no. his hammer <laughs> yeah. yeah and so they just like gang up on him also um dark side wearing uh the infinity gauntlet yeah that, it, that, like i said that's fan service right yeah it's like, dude how cool would that be yeah except it doesn't work in the dc universe <laughs> so he's like this is useless so he just takes off and like throws it he's yeah like, so that just shows that like they didn't because that's the thing is like if he was able to use that that would have changed the whole story oh yeah right yeah <laughs> he would have yeah exactly and they have another thing that they got to do so they can't <laughs> handle dark side having like the infinity gauntlet but like yeah there's this this uh drawing of just him just standing there holding the gauntlet up and you're just like when you're reading you're just like no way yeah. that's freaking awesome that's so dude. rad it is so, so awesome it, yeah it's really cool but it, yeah it is funny that they just they just couldn't use it in that uh place where he just gets he just tosses it yeah he's like this is trash <laughs> but yeah like that is, that's really cool um another cool thing and like i said they just do a ton of these cool things so actually what i hated about the first issue uh-huh. um is that it was just it wasn't a classic uh superhero it wasn't a classic jla it was the jla at the time 
when this was popular. So you had Kyle Rayner, you had the weird freaking Aquaman that's missing an arm, and he has like yeah another metal arm or some weird armor, and uh, it just wasn't like you're you're like you finally get an Avengers JLA team up, but then you have all the weird stupid uh, yeah it's like the late nineties early two yeah. thousands versions of the characters, and so but they did like fix that like i said eventually they just get everybody in there so that was cool but uh one of the coolest parts was uh, you know so it's similar to dark side having the infinity gauntlet kyle rayner charged his ring on the cosmic cube dude uh oh yeah he turns chrome yeah yeah and, and so like yeah that was so <laughs> crazy cool dude because obviously because he's running out of power he needs to charge his ring so uh yeah, obviously the Cosmic Cube has a lot of power, and the fact that he was able to do that, and he just turns him like, yeah, like like bluish silvery, and he's just like glowing yeah. with power after that. And it's, I was like, yeah, that, I thought that was really cool. I also like a lot of the comparisons, like uh, like Green Arrow and Hawkeye are always talking crap on each other, and like who's a better shot, you know? Mm-hmm. And then um, how Quicksilver's so obsessed with figuring out how to use the Speed Force because he's slower mm-hmm. than the Flash. And they, they do t- they do bring up a couple things too about how like the Marvel universe um, is smaller than the DC universe, um, and they're like a little bit less powered. Well, their actual their world their world is actually yeah. smaller, yeah, yeah, and it's more dense and things are different, and that's how they say you know that the power levels are different, right? And how like the DC guys are more powerful, but it's because they're more godlike, and it's yeah, yeah, and uh, I just like how they how they describe the differences because really you know um we talk about like well yeah who could kick whose butt you know but in reality i mean the marvel characters are supposed to be more relatable they're supposed to be more like human-like compared to dc who are like these like pantheon of gods that sit above us and and so they're not really like on our level and so like i i like that explanation about how like it's like gods versus like humans that are uh, that are more advanced you know what i mean it it was a cool way to like to really uh have the explanation yeah one way they talked about it too that was funny is that uh like when the dc people heroes got to the marvel universe because at first they switched and went into each other's worlds and then they eventually met up but like yeah like dc heroes were just like dude this place is filthy like when they got there yeah like, they mentioned the marvel ones mentioned like how squeaky clean basically the the dc world is and uh, yeah that was pretty awesome well yeah and how like uh their citizens like worship them yeah but in marvels right. yeah. you, you know they like hate their heroes yeah and uh and so that was kind of like a, an issue between them about like well you guys must be like overrulers because mm-hmm. everybody loves you so much it's like no we just treat people you know they yeah, and that's pretty actually that's pretty awesome on kurt Busick's part that he was like because the world they are so much different like you know you got your dc world which is is not as realistic as the marvel one and you have to somehow make those uh you know work with each other and that was a really good way to do it yeah um another thing i'm looking at now that like george perez did is so there there was a lot of like uh they would show pictures or flashbacks to famous um pictures or famous comic book covers so when the worlds were getting all crazy and combined do you remember uh they had the jsa cover but it was the avengers oh yes yes so it's the famous cover where 
they're the they're all sitting the jla is all sitting around a table or whatever and then the jsa is like in this like cloud bubble above them or right yeah it looks it. like a uh crystal ball almost yeah and out of the crystal balls that, yeah that, that is what it is yeah smoke. they're looking down into it yeah. yeah uh but then they switched it and had the avengers be them uh you know in one in the spot in place of the jsa or whatever yeah and, and what uh there was another one like you know, there was one where they would do, they showed the Justice League Europe cover, like the famous cover. But the crazy thing about these things is when, when they referenced famous images from before, um, George Perez redrew them all. They didn't just like grab it digitally and put it in there. Like if you look, like that's the famous Justice League Europe oh, cover. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, and George Perez just redrew the cover. Like that's what's insane is they could have easily just placed that in like... A copy of the original in but no dude he had to go and actually redraw these famous covers yeah Yeah. which is just crazy to me man um i also really like the mention of like the source wall and how dr doom is like part of the source wall now oh yeah like i i know that's not like a huge part of it but it's just really cool to see dr doom like strapped to the source wall uh so it's like part of the dc yeah that was cool and then Hawkeye has a relationship with Black Canary. Well, and yeah, then he but that's just like, Arrow. yeah, that's for like when the worlds are all going crazy, yeah. right? Like, yeah. And well, Green Arrow's there. He's getting jealous uh, because Black Canary wants Hawkeye. Right. Dude. So, so cool, man. So Hawkeye, spoiler alert. And I don't know if you realize this, but Hawkeye is the one that like won everything. He's the one that like, he was the one that took everything down and saved the world, dude. I don't know if you noticed this. What? Where? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, like, towards the end, whenever the book gets resolved. <laughs> uh, um, so, the two things happen. So, um, they do this thing where they uh, they open up. So, I don't know what it is, but um, was it Krona has this, uh, like, power or something. I He's got this big glowing ball that's like the source of all this power or something uh-huh. uh well anyway somebody opens up a hole in that ball and uh and hawkeye shoots he shoots an arrow oh into yeah it. it shatters it yeah yeah and then that's when it's all that's when it's all over and then oh, the only dude. other thing after that to happen uh-huh. is the specter comes in and separates the worlds but yeah basically they had the least powered <laughs> superhero so hawkeye was the, the luke day. skywalker in this uh making that shot yeah. on the death star yeah exactly but I th- yeah i thought it was actually kind of funny that they that made is, hawkeye do it uh yeah. be the one to get it oh another funny part like they, they just did so many like funny things for the fans dude like uh um they have one point where uh somebody says Captain Marvel, look out. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you have the like, Shazam Captain Marvel yeah. and the Marvel Captain Marvel together, and they both say, thanks. thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I, I noticed that. I was like, that's so rad. Yeah. It's like, Captain Marvel. <laughs> but, yeah, I just can't believe they were able to get all this stuff to work. Um, let me think what else is cool. Uh, oh, yeah, so there's this part where when they're you know going to battle and it's the Avengers and the Justice League together and – they're yelling, Avengers assemble, and Superman and Wonder Woman are saying it with Scarlet Witch. and uh, Oh, and Batman is also saying Avengers assemble, which is pretty cool to see him say that. But then you have the Wasp that says, and Justice League uh, Lamba- uh, Lambase. Yeah, <laughs> I like that part too. Yeah, it's it's cool. But it's just like it's just cool to be able to see Superman carrying um, Captain America's shield, and they're yelling, Avengers assemble. It's just, yeah, dude, it's... So awesome! Oh, here's the part I know you didn't. I know you didn't catch, dude. 
So there's this uh, part where they're having this big um, like party, right? And oh, yeah. The, they're all getting together yeah. and talking and eating, right? Well, here's what you didn't notice. So Sue Digby Sue Sue Dig, Dibney is in there, uh-huh. okay? And she's holding a plate or whatever, but uh, where did I just lost I'll it. I'll go back to it. But she's, um, she's wearing a T-shirt that, okay. that says... Um, it says, I love it elongated. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is so rad, dude. Well, that reminds me a lot of, like, the uh, the JLA, JS, JSA uh, Thanksgiving parties they have. Oh, they do Christmas parties. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, Christ- no, the Christmas Justice League does the Christmas parties. Yeah. And, but, like, I mean, and obviously the Avengers are there, but it's like a luau instead of, like, a Christmas party. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll be really quiet. Um, yeah, I don't know if that was intentional, but it could have been. Uh, so, so basically, oh, one thing that's interesting too is Krona, um, when he's, somehow he's recruited all the villains to work for his side, right? Yeah, so we started with henchmen and kind of like started, uh, like Yeah, so it was mind, like people like the Mole Man and AIM. Yeah. Uh, and those guys. Mind controlling them. And then yeah. somehow all of a sudden, it's like other villains jumped in on it. And I don't know, I did, maybe I just missed, missed it. But it went from like just mind controlling like little minion guys to like mm. full on like head right. of bad guy stuff. So what was in it for the bad guys? I don't understand. Was he mind controlling them all? That's what I understood is that they they all ended up being mind controlled. Okay. But I don't know why. Why didn't you just mind control the heroes too? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that completely. If that's the case, like yeah, they could he could have won immediately if he has the ability to mind control every villain. Why didn't he just do yeah, that with he the heroes he too? Right. Um, but yeah, eventually he does uh, get uh, the, all the bad guys working for him. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. I love the Phantom Stranger when he takes him to Grandmaster's oh, yeah. like realm, and like there's this one image. It's a double uh, splash page, and the Avengers and Justice League are like looking up. And um, it's just like different images of different events uh, throughout their their histories. Yeah. Um, like Ultron's got Teen Titans. Um, yeah, and this is the other one that has some. It's it's all some famous pictures again, yeah. and he's redrawn yep. all of them. Like there's Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. And, it, and it's man, it's just like there's just so much, so much to take in on this book that it, um, man, it's it's so it's so good to look at. Like I said, the, my only complaint about the artwork is the coloring. If the coloring was better, I think this thing would have been. I mean, it, it's still really good. I I really like it. Um, I just wish the coloring would have been different. Sorry, buddy. You could recolor it. <laughs> um. So, uh, one of my favorite scenes in the whole book is uh right at the very beginning. You're, the one you were talking about reminded me of this one. So, um, the Avengers are fighting Starro. Uh, oh yeah. Which is so yeah. cool. But the way that it's drawn is insane because it looks like you're actually down there in the crowd in the middle of the Avengers as they're battling Starro and it's looking upward and it's just drawn there's heroes all around you and it's just drawn as if you were standing there as one of the heroes fighting this gigantic starfish that's floating above the city and yeah that's amazing dude that's one of the best pieces of art like I swear I've ever seen so even if you hate George Perez I'm going to tell you that that's good I don't know who would hate George Perez, though. I mean, all you've been doing is talking crap on the art the whole night. What? No, oh, my kidding. gosh. <laughs> um, 
One, uh, I was talking earlier about uh, I love the relationship between Batman and Captain America. Right. And, uh, and uh, one thing I really like is um, there's a scene where Captain America goes back to the Batcave with uh, Batman and they're trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. And uh, Captain America's looking around the Batcave and he sees Robin's costume and he oh, says, yeah, he says, yeah. you lost a partner. Um, and like immediately right there, like, they had a connection, you know, because right. at the time Bucky was dead. And uh, I just thought that was so, like, it was, like, heartwarming and touching to see, like, that they connected that way. Batman didn't really, like, do you see something like, I don't want to talk about it or something like that? Yeah, well, Batman, dude, he's just Batman, right? Yeah. Like, he's, he's got to act like a hard ass. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, dude, the, I think that Kurt and Busick nailed all of their um, personalities so well, which is just, crazy to do and it's crazy to write a book where you're giving so many people like things to say and still making it seem like it's not just one person talking right they all had individual voices they all um well that's like what you're saying like their personalities are like they fit and it's so weird because there's there's so many of them Mm -hmm. um yeah i i don't know It, it definitely plays to its time um i feel like it 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 I mean, it's obviously it, it can be considered a timeless book, but um, the feel of it is definitely of the time that it was released. But I love Kerbusic stuff. Like it's, uh, I love his Astro City and um, what was the other book he did? Uh, I don't remember now. All of a sudden, <laughs> I love his Astro City stuff though. Dude, what I, I like love about too. you, Kelly, uh-huh. is that you'll start a sentence just hoping. That It'll you come, come through for yourself at the end. You're just like, okay, um, five seconds from now, self, I'm counting on you to finish this sentence for me. And sometimes you just don't come through for it's yourself. It's true. Dude. It's so true. <laughs> um, so the, the cool thing about this um, collection is there's a ton of stuff, a ton of stuff at the back. Um, it had the original sketches from the 1983 um, series that didn't end up coming out. But then there was just... Also, like, a story of how the thing came to be. Um, a, a history of DC Comics um, and Marvel Comics crossovers. And they had this cool panel, or this cool couple pages by Neil, uh, Neil Adams, uh, where uh, the, these people were walking through this, um, like, superhero parade. And so it was a way to put Marvel characters. You could see Captain America in the background, but it was really just a guy dressed as Captain Mar- uh, Captain America. It would be basically like as if they were to go to a comic book convention now. But like that's how they were doing crossovers um, before the crossover really like came to be. But the cool thing about that is um, it all takes place in um, uh, where's it, where does it say right there on the top uh, first uh, it says thing elsewhere a festival uh it is rutland yeah the rutland halloween parade and um what's cool about this is both marvel and dc had like um like 12 different appearances of the same rutland parade so like in different comic books and so that they so that they could put each other's characters in there and it and they always talked about going to uh this guy named um, Tom. Uh, oh crap! Where is it? Tom Fagan. So it says. Any, so 
I, this is based on a real thing. So there was in, uh, in Rutland, Vermont, there was a Halloween bash every year. Okay. And there's tons of people dressed as comic book characters. And so they put this into the comic books so that they could do these crossovers. Well, every year after the parade, this guy named Tom Fagan throws a big party um, that lasts for like 48 hours. Well, in all of these books too, they all talk about going to this Tom Fagan's like, uh, so so like the Marvel characters would talk, go to the, oh, they would talk about this Tom Fagan's party and the DC ones would too, which is pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. That's so, so they awesome. told that story. Then there's a story of like um, Marvel's side of things of how the 83 one didn't come through. DC's side of things on how how it didn't come through. Uh, then they, they talk about um, this current version that we're reading. Uh, the plot to issue three, they had like an alternate plot that could that uh, that didn't end up happening. Um, they ended up doing it differently. They so issue three is where the worlds start colliding, right? And then you they just start the heroes are zapping in and out of each other, you know, each other's universes and changing the costumes, like we said earlier. But right. uh, but it, originally, when it came time to plot, I'm just reading now. When it came time to plot. Number three, the DC side editor, Dan Raspler, felt like it just didn't work. Uh, oh, wait a second. I'm reading the wrong one. Um, anyway, what they wanted to do originally is they wanted to have the them switch over, uh-huh. but they wanted to do a Marvel take on the DC heroes and a DC take on the Marvel heroes is how they were going to do that instead uh-huh. of having them merge and then uh, go in and out like that. Uh and but the reason why they decided not to do it is because they'd done those amalgam comics it felt too much like the amalgam comics from before um the amalgam happened like a few years before this did uh so yeah so because of that they ended up not doing that but i thought that but everything else was pretty much uh close to the same there was a couple other small things but yeah i thought that was interesting and that was part of the the uh stuff in the back too so uh, this thing is out of print and really expensive, uh, but uh, if you ever happen to find one, say to swap me or something, pick it up. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, if you can find it, get it because, well, I, I mean, obviously at a decent price because it's, I mean, individual issues even go for forty to fifty bucks a piece, uh, no, depending on the, depending on the issue. No, dude, I found the whole set for fifty bucks. Did you really? Yeah. I don't no. know. You must be looking on the expensive eBay. On my cheap eBay, it's okay. fifty bucks. Well, maybe set. that's what I was thinking. This set was fifty, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's not super cheap um, because it is out of print, and I don't know why they can't just get it together and print it again. Yeah, dude, no, they won't, man. Dude, uh, so for a long time, oh, so Joe Casada basically, I don't know, maybe he's over it, but for a long time, he just flat out said when he was editor in chief that there was never going to be while he was in that capacity that there would never be a crossover like he hated them for whatever reason they they used to get together for a long time for like uh they would do these softball games uh-huh. it would be marvel versus dc creators and they would do like a softball game and they would get along really well but then when joe took over a lot of that went away i i don't know maybe they've taken it back up again but it seems like they're uh they're not doing so well and now now also because you got disney yeah. versus warner brothers which are huge conglomerates i mean both both places still do crossovers they just don't do them with each other right so which is kind of sad yeah it's too bad dude because it would be cool to get this stuff reprinted but until they get along 
It ain't happening, man. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, all the crossover events are just fun, man. I just I love seeing like the Marvel. It's just crazy reading this. That you're just seeing, you know, you're seeing the these characters interact with each other. All right, Kelly's falling asleep. So oh, you're yawning. Yeah, let's, sorry uh, there. Yeah, <laughs> let's um say good night. Good night. Enjoy whatever you're gonna do next after you turn this off. <laughs> and uh, you can find us at Instagram, uh, on Instagram at Cold Storage Podcast. You can email us at the Cold Storage Podcast at gmail dot com. And uh, Spencer's phone number is. No, I'm just kidding. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Okay, see you.